Hello and welcome to another Use of Force. This week, our first theme walk is the parks of Olmsted and Vox. And along with parks that the two of them designed, they also designed some parkways. And among those parkways is Ocean Parkway, which was where this week's Use of Force instance took place. Jesse is going to read the instance now. At approximately 1922 hours on Monday, September 29th, 2014, six officers responded to a 911 call about a knife assault in progress within the confines of the 70th precinct. Upon arrival at the apartment in which the assault was audibly ongoing, the officers met a civilian who was attempting to gain entry. He was successful in doing so and entered the apartment before the officers could prevent him. The officers followed the civilian in a tactical formation and observed a second male, armed with a knife, exit a back bedroom, make a stabbing motion towards the first civilian, and advance on the officers. Orders of compliance were unheeded, and as the perpetrator continued to advance, three officers were forced to discharge their service weapons, killing the subject but also striking the citizen. With the threat neutralized, the officers moved deeper into the apartment where a female and her two children were discovered hiding in a bathroom and were removed to safety. The male civilian was discovered bleeding from apparent stab and gunshot wounds, and although transported rapidly to hospital, he subsequently succumbed to his injuries. Subject toxicology revealed the presence of alcohol. So, as confusing and convoluted as even the police report of the event seems, the reporting and the information we have is even more strange and confusing. Yeah. So... There were a lot of articles written about this, I think partially because it was something that happened in a seven floor, fairly large apartment building. So there were witnesses at least to the noise and police presence and ambulances and, and other commotion. I think also because the family of the person that's referred to as the citizen sued the city and won a $1.6 million settlement in 2017. So it did become a bigger case. But every report from the different news sites tells the story a little bit different. So the things we know are that the people involved were named Francisco Carvajal. He was the ex-boyfriend of Katarisna Russo. And Francisco was the person that was attacking Russo and that had, that had the knife. And Rafael Lorena 
was the citizen that got killed in the the police the crossfire, crossfire. although to say even that is unclear because there are conflicting reports as to whether or not there were stab wounds, gunshot wounds, what have you. Right. So that so that's what's confusing. So some reporting says that there were stab wounds some are, and that there was also a gunshot. There's not any report. Every single bit of reporting says that Loreno was shot and Carvajal was also shot. So it's clear from all the reporting that the police did shoot both of the men. What's unclear is whether or not Loreno was also stabbed. Some of the reporting says that he was, some of the reporting says that he wasn't. Some of the reporting says that the son, the children of Loreno weren't given clear information when they were checking in about their father. He was in the hospital and they were told that he had been stabbed multiple times. They were not told for days that he had also been shot. There's also reporting that Loreno was in the apartment when the police arrived. There's some reporting saying that he was in the apartment, he had left, taken the children to safety, and then come back into the apartment. But the police report says that the children were there, hiding in the bathroom. You know, other reporting says that Carvajal was breaking down the door of the bathroom with the knives. When everyone arrived, when police and Loreno arrived. So, and then the other thing that kind of some people say and some people don't, some people say that Loreno was the current boyfriend of Russo. And that is also unclear what their relationship was. I think one thing that's constant is that these three people were all bodybuilders. So there may have been some sort of relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship between the three of them. They mm -hmm. might, it's possible that they all knew each other. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the first instance where we're finding that the reporting is so conflicting and where no one seems to have gotten their story straight. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And I guess, I mean, two of the three people involved, or two of the three adults involved, were killed by police mm -hmm. in the incident. So there was only one woman that's an eyewitness, and it was probably very traumatizing to her, so can only imagine how she's sharing the story. And then the police. And there might have been neighbors that heard things going on, and there might be family or neighbors that know the relationship between the people, but other than that, that and that's purely a guess on my part as to why the reporting here is so confusing. Yeah, yeah. One of the interesting things 
about this instance. Each episode we try and think critically, but not necessarily be critical of the role of law enforcement in each instance. Mm -hmm. For this particular case, it isn't like some of the other ones we've seen where, or at least overtly, there's there's no you know, drug problem here, or is right. to say there's there's no uh, drug uh, being, drugs being stolen or people with drug addiction problems. Right. There is no gang related instances here. Right. Nothing involving illicit activity, just. A crime of passion. Yeah, it seems like more of a domestic dis- dispute. Yes. The thing that seems to be primarily suspect with respect to law enforcement action is how the door was opened. Yeah, and so that is what the family of Rafael Lorino actually got the settlement for is because in the story that was shared from them to the courts, it sounds like the NYPD officers actually asked for Lorino to help them break down the door, which isn't protocol. Right. And it, you know, when you think, if you, if I think about myself being in a position where I'm trying to get into an apartment to do my job and there's a bodybuilder in the hallway, sure, I would also probably be tempted to ask for help from someone that's significantly stronger than I am. But the police are supposed to have tools to be able to get in, like battering rams and, or they should just be trained to be able to get into what they need to get into if they're in a situation like this. Right. And if they all knew each other, then you're putting somebody that's going to only add more volatility to the situation quite literally in the middle. Right. Right. And the other thing that seems a little off to me is that uh, I did read, and again, there's so many conflicting reports, but there were 18 shots fired, and that just, I mean, I don't know, but that just seems like a lot of shooting to, if you're really well-trained in what you're doing, I would think you'd be able to shoot someone in less than 18 shots and have better aim so that you're not hitting somebody that isn't your target. But with that, but if you don't have good enough aim, then it's not surprising that you have 18 shots and one of them hits the wrong person. Yeah. Well, if we're ever able to get somebody on to talk to us that would be willing to give a even-handed depiction of what these types of situations are like, Yeah. maybe we could ask about that. I mean, certainly there's a lot of adrenaline going on. I'm sure. I mean, I again, I can imagine myself in the position where I'm, it's my job to take care of these people. And 
the bodybuilder that just helped me get in is about to be stabbed by another bodybuilder. And like, if you're already in the position where you asked for help from someone that's bigger than you, and then you're in a room with multiple people that are bigger than you and really strong, and one of them is attacking the other and maybe coming towards you, I can imagine, yeah, like I'd have a lot of adrenaline. I'm also not a cop and never will be. I just, I, yeah, it's, I don't know if as humans we can control that amount of adrenaline or not. But I do think that the job requires kind of being able to, and to some degree. Mm -hmm. Was there anything you were able to find about the officers themselves? I know sometimes... No, I wasn't able to find any information about them. I do know, yeah, sometimes they released the names, but I, I looked for it and I couldn't find, you know, it's, I think people are really fascinated by the fact that these were bodybuilders. And that seems to be what most of the reporting is about. Mm -hmm. And then also just the fact that the police not only killed the suspect, but they also killed an additional person, I think is, is more what the articles that I have been able to find about this incident, that seems to be what people are interested in talking about. There's very little information about really anything else. Yeah. And perhaps, you know, I mentioned that the idea there's no traditional instances of drugs at play here as far as drug trade, mm -hmm. sale, addiction. With the case of bodybuilders, perhaps there are steroids involved. I mean, I haven't done any research about that. But yeah, that purely is, speculation. That is a, a, you know, a meaningful association with steroids is changing mood swings and mm -hmm. if that were if that were a play then that may be uh, a cause for why any of this happened and we don't really spend a lot of time talking about steroids as a drug in the same way that we do about all these other types of drugs yeah i mean i think it's less common at least in the, to the general public it's maybe something that's common within certain groups of people but yeah, it's unclear. I mean, I I would I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same level of use or higher use than psychedelics, but hmm. they're because of their availability. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. But that is a minor point since we don't actually know about these people. Right. Yeah, and I don't want to assume that that was the case. The only thing that showed up in the toxicology report on the use of force report was alcohol. Well, yeah, but that's one of the common issues I would have with these use of force reports is that they, that particular line that they always include doesn't really feel, I mean, it is informative, but it doesn't feel like its intent is to be informative as much as it is to defend. Or just rationalize and, and, you know, file this one under alcohol. Or, yeah, you know. no, exactly. It's meant to create, I believe it's meant to create a narrative where you understand why the police used lethal force. Right. But like if, 
I don't even think if they were to find the presence of steroids, they would report on it because it doesn't fit the idea of what that last line mm. in the use of force is used for, right. even though that would potentially enrich the picture of what was happening. Right. Yeah. Because it's not point. an illegal... Sub I mean, alcohol is not illegal, but it's a, you know, a cause of erratic behavior. Right. But steroids is undeniably a cause of erratic behavior. It's just unclear to me if they would report on something like that because it, again, it doesn't seem like the use of force report as currently constructed is meant to illuminate so much as it is meant to defend and check some bureaucratic boxes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It definitely seems that that's the goal for them. Yeah. So this, I would say, falls into one of those more complicated cases in terms of where to go from here. Yeah, or how to avoid things like this to happen in the future. I don't think it's something that happens very often, but certainly domestic disputes are are a thing in themselves that happen a lot so yeah as far as how the police is involved with that i don't know i guess i would ideally people wouldn't get to a place where they're going to their ex-girlfriend's house and attempting to stab her while her kids are there you know but that would be some intervention really early on, teaching people about healthy relationships and helping people through whatever emotional pain they're struggling with. And then inevitably we are humans and we will act in violent ways sometimes when we have strong emotions. So figuring out what the role of law enforcement would be that would really protect everyone best as opposed to kind of just adding more trouble sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the very cut and dry thing that's a takeaway is don't involve civilians in the act of sorting out issues. Yeah. Which I, I would be hard-pressed to believe the police would not also agree with that. The question becomes, what does discipline look like for an officer that lapses in judgment? Is that removal immediate or is that suspension or, you know, what is, what is the punishment for that lapse in judgment? Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good question to leave on and to continue to think about. Yeah. As always, if you know anything about this case and would like to share it with us or you're interested in talking more about it, please contact us. And until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.